Today on The Verge Cast, Alex Heath joins us to break down all the drama going on at Twitter this week. Amazon Prime Music releases a new plan that surprises but mostly annoys existing users. And of course, we'll get into all the gadget news from this week. That's coming up right after this. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of free speech. And weed. With exceptions. <laughs> Both things. All right, so we have a weed update, a studio weed update. Alex and I are in the studio today. I'm your friend Eli. Alex Kranz is here. Hello. David Pierce is here. Hi. Alex Heath is joining us for the first segment to talk about, obviously, Elon Musk. Hi, Alex. Hi. All right, before we, but we have a, weed, a studio weed update. Much more important I'm update not, than Elon. Okay, we have... I don't know that we've ruled out Kara Swisher as the weed in the studio culprit. I want to ruled that. out that Elon Musk is the weed in the studio. Like, is that? I mean, he could be. It seems possible. It's I mean, very possible. Wearing his head, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> we. So I'm not saying it's conclusively not Kara, but yeah. I will say that we walked in today. Kara has not been in the studio. I don't even know if Kara was in the studio last time. But I know she. I've been in the office all day. I've not seen her. Yeah. I think she lives in D.C. So she's not here. Not here often. Case still open. Yeah. Still a suspect of interest. Right. We but haven't it, ruled her out. But it smells like weed again. It does. It smells a lot like weed. Having a great time. And today we are informed that we share an air duct with another team at the company. I will not say who the team is. I think the listener should try to guess. <laughs> Please Once send us. Once you guess. Yeah. It is very obvious. It, it will land. It will click. <laughs> Which group? And not even accusing. We don't know for sure. We don't know. It could be Recode. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Yeah, just think about it. What what? It's it's the Packers blog. They're dealing with a lot right now. Leave <laughs> yeah. them alone. <laughs> That's just more of a booze situation. That's a brown liquor problem. That's not a weed problem. All right, there's a lot going on in the world. Elon, it's his first week at Twitter. It has been absolutely chaotic. On the other uh, happier side of tech news, it's Matter's launch day. Speaking of weed, Matter, the smart home standard, is launching currently in Amsterdam. Our own times of their place. They are just turning lights on and off, <laughs> just stoned out of their mind from all corners that. of the earth. Jen Tui and Thomas Ricker are actually, Thomas lives in Amsterdam. Jen flew over there. So we got lots of news in the Matter event we should talk about. It. It's pretty exciting. We got a bunch of gadgets to talk about. Let's start, though, with Elon. Speaking of right. brown liquor, let's start with Elon. Take a shot. Alex, it's been his first week. It's been chaotic. You kind of blew up the world over the weekend by reporting that Twitter Blue would cost $20. Our friend Casey Newton had reported it would cost 4 and then it landed at 8 It sounds like layoffs are happening maybe as soon as tomorrow for half the workforce. What's the latest? 
Yeah, so layoffs will most likely have started by the time this podcast drops. Uh, If not, I would expect soon after. Yeah, it's been, to sum it up, you know, just chaotic inside Twitter, I would say. The current vibe is perfectly encapsulated by the fact that Elon Musk has almost 90 direct reports inside Twitter's (laughs) internal directory, um, which, you know, I think speaks to just the fact that he's fired everyone that would be below him uh, had he kept them. Yeah, you know, the it started with me having to Google Ligma on Friday, which was very <laughs> unfortunate. Don't recommend that. And then throughout the weekend, uh, it became apparent that Musk's first big project was going to be rehauling verification on Twitter. And I'd heard that he was making people stay in the office over the weekend to get a demo together to show him of this new idea. And I, I really do think that uh, the price, the team building the feature found out that the final price was going to be $8 by him tweeting it. <laughs> to Stephen I, King. I don't like that. <laughs> well, so, yeah, St- I think Stephen King, um, props to Mike Isaac for pointing this out, who also testified in the big, um, that was at the Simon & Schuster merger yeah, trial. Yeah, Penguin Random House. Yeah, Penguin Random House. You know, Stephen King said, you know, basically, fuck this. Like, I'm not going to pay $20 after we reported that Twitter was planning on making it $20. And then... Elon responded and was like, how about eight? And then the next day said eight. So Stephen King had a product at Twitter. Congrats. Um, yeah. Yeah, Wonderful no, move. It's, it's actually, it's just remarkable. Like people, employees are literally just looking to Musk's Twitter account to see what their next directive is going to be and how their product is actually going to work, which is, it's just an amazing time we live in. Meanwhile, they're all sprinting to get this new Twitter Blue subscription product out the door by this coming Monday. November 7th, or else they're all going to be fired. And they all may be fired or have them fired anyway by Saturday or Friday when this comes out, since he's about to cut estimated around half of the company, almost 4,000 people on Friday. So yeah, that's the lay of the land. Is this push to to get it all like Twitter blue completely redone by the 7th? Is this like, is the intent to make people so miserable they quit so he doesn't have to lay them off? Is the intent to make them fail so that he can be like, that's why you're fired? Like, is that kind of the calculus there before the layoffs? You know, Alex, only Elon can see into the mind of Elon. <laughs> Has he tweeted anything on the? Well, on no, this if, you're, if you're just like a Twitter engineer, you got like an engineering brain. Yeah. Just a little game theory. Yeah. There's, you cannot be miserable enough to quit at this moment in time. There's no amount of misery that would make you walk away from a severance that is coming if you get Yeah, fired. I mean, this is already... This is already super sadistic, this whole process. I think it's more to send a message, right? Like I reported that literally the first day he took over, he was like redirect logged out homepage to explore and had that pushed through the code freeze. It's just kind of like a, I'm here and we're going to start changing things that we thought we would never change, right? That was a hugely political thing before. I talked about it in the story over the weekend anyway. And I think the same thing with Blue. It's more to just show, A, we can do stuff fast if we're forced to, like on point. (laughs) And B, I'm showing you where my priorities lie. So this is the big project that everyone's working on. The the lead PM of this literally tweeted that she was sleeping on the floor in the conference room uh, the other day. Hashtag sleep where you work. And so I I think it's just to say this is a new company. I mean, Twitter is a company that has had a monthly day of rest for the last two years, <laughs> which Musk also got rid of. Aww. And is just like the opposite of a Musk company. Like this is the most dramatic cultural reset of a company that I've ever witnessed. And it's happening in real time in less than a week. 
And that's probably also why he fired the entire executive team is he's just saying like, we're not, we're changing things. Yeah. That to me is really one of the more sort of instructive parts of all of this is this is all so in keeping with how Elon Musk does business. Like any of the people who have come over to Twitter from Tesla, I guarantee you this is not phasing them. This is just how it works. He says insane things that are probably impossible, pushes everybody like crazy to make it work. And if it doesn't, there's hell to pay. And or he just tweets a new crazy thing and then everybody chases that. This is just like, this is the price of doing business with Elon Musk. And it's in a strange way, like part of it is, it's incredible how quickly he has pulled this off. Like the sheer force of personality to just roll into the building and be like, what's up? Everything is different. Ready, go is like yeah. deeply messed up, but also in a certain way, like kind of impressive. I will say that I've had several Twitter employees compare this to like the Trump White House and the transition yes. team there. And I think that's a very apt analogy. I mean, the guy that Musk is leaning on to help him come up with the layoff plan, his last name is Sachs. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't write this as a Hollywood script any better. Uh, and to what David was saying before, there are dozens of people from Tesla, the Boring Company, Neuralink, including Musk's own cousin, other aides, other advisors, VCs in the building that you know, are helping Musk do all this. And that's been very jarring for Twitter employees, too, is to be like, wait, my fate is going to be dictated by the All In podcast. Yeah. Yep. So th there's two things there. One, just to, to David's point, how many times have we seen a company get a new CEO? How many times have we talked to new leadership at companies? Even when we have done new things, like what's the first thing that happens? Like the leader is like, I need to listen to everybody. Everyone yep. needs to feel hurt. I just need to go make everyone comfortable and then we'll start doing changes. Like, And then we'll destroy you. I, I swear to God there's a new CEO playbook that's like the first <laughs> – here's what you do your first month. You just tell everyone you're listening, even if you're not. Yeah. You just say loudly, like, first I need to listen to everyone. Yeah. It's literally called the listening tour. You yeah. do the listening tour. It's what you do. You just, like, walk around. You're like, I'm listening to you. And in the back of every CEO's head, it's like, to see if I'll fire you. But you yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no listening to Elon. Right? Like, he, he's been paying attention. He's addicted to Twitter. The thing I keep saying is, like, it's like someone addicted to cigarettes was given a cigarette factory. <laughs> and they don't realize that no one else is addicted to cigarettes the way that they are addicted to cigarettes. <laughs> and they're like, I have, I've been having thoughts about cigarettes for a long time, <laughs> and we're going to do them all. Right? All of them, this week. So it's just something that's hilarious. And then the, the second part of that is this, like, kitchen cabinet of his, which is mostly comprised of investors, not people who do things. And yes, we know there's a bunch of engineers and people from his other companies, but the public face of the decisions is a bunch of finance people. Yeah. And it's just very, it, it's like someone finally allowed them to play with the Legos and they're like, all right, here's what you do. You make a huge tower with a skinny base. I've been thinking about these Legos for a long time and they have no idea what they're doing because they're just the money. Yeah. And that to me is like the funniest part of this whole thing is all these VCs are like, we need a team, we need a product, we need founders, we need people who know the product, and they themselves are not taking their own cliche advice. Money is important because Musk has a 
I think he's on the hook for about a billion a year in interest payments alone on this Twitter deal. And interestingly, the rumor I keep hearing is that internally there's a push to cost save about a billion a year in OPEX between all the cuts that are about to come and they're they're scrutinizing every vendor contract, their cloud spend, everything to cut costs. Um, so yeah, it is like a it is a thing of financial engineering. That is yeah. the Twitter problem on day one. And then the product stuff will happen. Uh, and he wants to obviously move quickly on the product stuff, but he's got to first make it work financially. So $8 a month, There's currently there's, what, 400,000 verified mm-hmm. users, so we can tell. And th- that number comes from the number of people that the at verified account follows on Twitter. <laughs> Which is <laughs> automatic and is everyone who's verified. I've confirmed that. Okay. I think I, I have it. So I'm really – I want to know what you guys think about this verification thing and if everyone's going to pay. I mean, of course we are. But like – I know, if, if you, No, no. If you, oh, That's the sure, cigarette okay. factory talk. You don't have to smoke cigarettes, Alex. You don't have to do it. You can quit. <laughs> Get a patch. <laughs> I, I get all of the blowback to this. And, you know, when I published the first, you know, that they were contemplating 20, it just was like people freaked out. Uh, blue check Twitter went on red mode. I, I think people <laughs> are underestimating the incentives to to buy into this because it's not just that you have a check mark. The way that Twitter verification has worked, and I don't think people get this, is that if you're verified, you're actually, it's, it's a quality signal in Twitter's algorithms. So you're boosted more in the timeline, you're boosted in replies. There's that verified filter that we have if we're check mark where we can see verified responses. In the next update, that verified tab is going to become the first tab in the notifications tray. So basically, he's going to just bifurcate the audience. Yeah. And I think people are going to be so pressured to pay for this because they're going to realize that, oh, I am in the cheap seats all of a sudden, not just in terms of like what I'm paying, but in terms of my reach and in terms of like my my quality of like what mm-hmm. I can see. And so I think that's why a lot of people, because it's also a network effect thing, will buy into this. And I actually, I actually think this will be like something that millions of people do. I think it's the exact opposite. <laughs> I think the blue check mark is about to be the mark that you're a weirdo who <laughs> uses Twitter so much you're willing to pay $8 a month for it. And I think it's going to be a point like where people say, oh, you have a blue check? Ew. You mm. really pay for this? And maybe that, that won't happen, but I genuinely think that this is going to be like a big moment for this company and for social media and all, right? Like mm-hmm. social media, the, generally the thing is we are going to mine the crap out of your data and in return, you get all of this free access to communicate with other people. And now he's saying, we're going to mine the crap out of your data. And if you want a better experience, you have to pay $8 a month. And if you don't want like that, you can use the shitty version or you can walk. And I'm like, are people really going to pay that $8? Many for people who already say they hate the site and they use it anyway. Are those people really going to be like, yeah, buy this pack of cigarettes? Or are they going to be like, actually <laughs> – I'm very happy that I'm I can go get the happen. filterless and roll them myself. Oh, my God. I, that's Mastodon, I that's assume. That's Texas coming through. That's Mastodon. I saw someone this week who was like, yeah, I rolled my own cigarettes. And I'm like, in 2022? Yeah. What? <laughs> Did you meet someone else who smoked cloves? Like, <laughs> let's get into it. Tumblr is cloves in this situation, <laughs> by the way. Uh, okay, so I my prediction is that the reality of this is going to be far more boring. <laughs> and it's going to mean nothing. And yeah. the, the best comp is TSA PreCheck, which is neither a status symbol nor a thing that people love. It's just what you do if you just want to be degraded slightly more by the government of the United States, right? Like, you can have a better experience if you pay for it this much. I keep my shoes on. It's not clear. You don't, the seat doesn't lay back all the way. You just get to keep your shoes on. And that, that, like, I already pay for Twitter. I'm already paying for it. 
pay. Yeah. It's $4 a month. They're doubling the price to add a check mark and take away the ad-free experience on some publisher websites. No, but but the thing is, nobody who follows you on Twitter knows that you pay for Twitter. Sure. Which I think is is really important, right? Where like, think about all the people you see in your timeline. Yeah, and when are, you're in the pre-check line, everyone knows that you pay for pre-check. It doesn't mean anyone thinks you're cool. They're just like, yeah, wow, you pay for pre-check. You're not thirsting for retweets in the pre-check line. Like, I don't think I that am. analogy works at all, yeah. if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if, if you're like, if there's like a thirst trap camera when you get in the TSA pre-check line, like, then I'd be into it. absolutely going to start doing thirst traps in the pre-check line. <laughs> I think it's more like when you play a video game, and and you get like a cool little like World of Warcraft. You get a cool little pet, mm-hmm. right? And if you go and you do all these really cool events, you get a cool pet. And so people will be like, "This is my pet," and that was like the blue check mark. And then other people would be like, "I spent five dollars at Subway, and I also have a cool pet." And you'd see those pets, and you'd be like, "Well, you're lame because you spent five dollars at Subway for that." I mean, pet. look, if Elon was going to be wild, he would introduce tiered pricing. Yeah, there'd be gold check. Marks oh my god, and that's what I want. Marks and like just go it, all the way. That could happen. That yeah. could happen. I mean, I think we're undervaluing the algorithmic boosting aspect of this. And we're also undervaluing a unique aspect of Twitter as a social network, which is that a very, very small percent of the user base produces the vast majority of the content. And if you fall into that bucket, which is all of us, everyone in media, celebrities, the Scott Galloways of the world, et cetera, you are absolutely going to pay for this because otherwise your reach is going to be on day one reduced. So it's not yes. even that you're in a separate line. It's that you're in another line where you keep getting pushed to the back of the line. The regular two line. steps forward. I don't know if you've ever been the, to the airport. The four yeah. <laughs> well, at least you move forward in that line. Uh, I have pre-check. I'm just saying, like, I'm saying I have pre-check and I, I see your analogy, but it's almost like if you're in the other line, you just keep getting pushed back. It's not even that you're in another line. So I, I do think the people who produce the most content on Twitter will pay for this. The th- but the, the part of this that makes me agree with Kranz is I would be more inclined to pay if it were divorced from the blue check. Yeah. Because now what the blue check becomes, there's a certain world in which the blue check becomes like a symbol of your thirstiness that says, mm-hmm. not only do I care about Twitter, I care so much about you reading my sick ass tweets that I'm going to pay <laughs> money to get in like, front of you. That's it's exactly like, what it becomes. All the people who made fun of Ben Smith for his like ridiculous promoted tweets, promoting semaphore, like this is now that at scale. It's it's you promoting your own tweets, and that's that's what it's going to look like. Yeah, sure, but like this is what verification at Twitter was originally designed to be. Like what Musk is doing is actually how Twitter has always wanted verification to work, which is that it's actually just to say you are who you say you are, right. and now it's linked to a credit card. So obviously, people can fake that, but and that will happen. It's but I'm not. just saying, like this is what that. I mean, yes, that is what it is. It's like no, we but have it's an not identity because. Layer. Because it is now requiring, like, I I know I saw one guy who's like a journalist in Africa, and he was saying, I need this because I am regularly arrested for my tweets. I'm regularly, like, stalked for this stuff. I can't afford the $8 a month or Mm -hmm. whatever it's going to be in my country, so now I'm screwed. And, like, Mm -hmm. those people are still going to be affected by this. And are they going to stay? I I don't think they're going to. But I think, like, like, this is not just – pay to be verified. This is pay to be verified, get all of this stuff, and pay for everybody in the world to know that you pay for this. And I think that's really silly. Like, I want that check to go away as soon as possible. I don't want a single person to think that I pay for Twitter.com. 
No one has invented a way to actually identify users on social media at scale in a way that works yet. And I think credit right. card linking to accounts is the best thing that we that anyone could do in the given like right yeah. now. I'm sure something will be invented that's better than that. And I hear you on the paid thing. I'm, I've heard that Blue is so rushed that it's only going to be in English <laughs> and only in like a few markets <laughs> when it comes out, which is a huge fail, right? Yeah. That's a huge fail for the kind of people that you just talked about. And hopefully over time, must lets journalists and people who work in nonprofits and activists be able to have it for free. I think that would be a good thing. I'm sure they're considering it. I'm just saying as an identity layer, that is actually what verification was supposed to be. Twitter has just been so inept at actually yeah. enforcing right. this over the last decade that it's become this like elite class, like you have to have a social media manager contact at Twitter to be able to get it thing. That was never what it was intended to be. So it's actually returning verification to what it originally was supposed to be, which is just, I am who I say I am. But so, like in the worst way possible. Sure. In under the Musk way, way possible. Which is, yeah. Like yeah. it's a terrible way to do it. Well, so I just want to be very clear about one thing. Criticism of the Musk administration of Twitter is in no way the same as praise for any other previous <laughs> management of Twitter. Yeah. 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 This I'm so is glad you said that. Deeply yeah. mismanaged company for a decade or more. Right. Terribly yeah. managed. Yeah. You can hold two things as truth. You cannot like the way Musk is doing things. And you can also acknowledge that Twitter has been a spectacularly mismanaged company. <laughs> and everyone at the company will privately acknowledge that. Yep. Like, it's wild that it's taken this long to figure out the verification thing. For years, everybody's no, like, how do we do it? And it's like... I mean, they put the program on pause for years where they were just like, screw it. We're not going to verify anyone else because this is such a mess and we don't even know how to like implement this at scale. And then they would still sneak people in like if a yeah. Twitter employee had a contact and everyone would get mad. I mean, it's a, it's a disaster. So here's a question. I don't pay enough attention, but I think I know the answer. No one's mad at the blue checks on Instagram, right? Right. No one's well, mad at the they're at Twitter, like YouTube has uh, effectively blue checks. No one's mad at them. Right. No one's mad at the blue checks on TikTok. Right. It's just Twitter. Because right. we're all deeply insecure cynics on Twitter. I, <laughs> I, mean, I think it's more because Twitter had like I think we we want to be cautious and remember that a lot of this blue checks like anger came from right-wing people who were upset that Trump was being deplatformed and felt that he was he and other right-wing commentators were being deplatformed at the like to right. prop up the blue checks and that these other people should be up there but the reason they were deplatformed was because they were sharing misinformation and saying like AIDS gives you covid yeah like that's the big like that's a big part of this that's like an undercurrent of this entire thing that i think a lot of people are really mindful of and they they know that like the blue check discourse has always came from this really it's disgusting a place for the mainstream media yeah in a way that cuz that's what it literally has been so if you actually excuse think, me, we are the renegade media, sir. <laughs> oh, we're, this we're, podcast <laughs> exists on the fringe, the fringes of American democracy. That's right. Um, you can't I'm silence just, us, <laughs> and if you try, we'll come for you somehow. If, but with weed, yeah. laser bong. I'm just saying, like Alex, if you, it, I, I agree with you that that's how obviously how check marks have been viewed. If if it becomes something that isn't regulated to a certain class by proxy of who you know, but something literally anyone can just pay for, is that not actually a good thing for what the check mark represents long term? I think that's good. I think like making it accessible and more understandable and comprehensible is great. I think tying that to money and is is dumb. I think you can have Twitter Blue, great service. You want to pay for that, great. Verification should be independent of that because verification should never be about 
whether or not you're paying for the service. I, so what you're, you, I think there's a little bit of a heated, a heated agreement going on. Yeah. Here, right. We're furiously <laughs> so, agreeing with each other. But about, two, but each about other. like two different things. Alex said, <laughs> there's two Alex's. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go uh, Crans and Heath. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> Heath said verification is a, is a quality signal for Twitter. Yeah. That's the important part. I think this is the thing that maybe Elon and David Sachs and David, Jason Calcanis, all these people are working on it. Like forget they're lost in the poison of the blue check mind, right? yeah. which is it's good for the Twitter community to know that LeBron James is LeBron James on Twitter. Uh, right. right. Like that's his account. It's really him. They've done something to verify that it's him. And that blue check means it's him and not a fraud. Right. And across the Twitter ecosystem, that is good. Yes. You know, that the president's the president. You know, the White House is the White House. You know that Chuck Todd is Chuck Todd. I was just on a Chuck Todd podcast. So that's <laughs> he's on my mind. Hey, Chuck. That you shouldn't charge the people for that. That's a value you're providing to the end user of Twitter. Right. To say these people are who they say they are. You can trust this information. Yes. Adding capitalism to that <laughs> does not necessarily accomplish that goal in Correct. the way that you need that goal to be accomplished. And he's already said we're going to start giving politicians and other quote public figures an additional label that they already have to serve that purpose. A blue check. Maybe it'll it's be a pink. blue check plus. Yeah. Right. And I think but they just like the hate, check. they just like hate the media and they're like, the media should pay us. The flip side of that is, as Heath pointed out, we make all the content on Twitter, like the people, not we, the media, like the people, the users of Twitter make all this stuff. And I cannot think of another social platform that charges its users to have good experiences in that way. Like yeah. YouTube is not out there being like, hey, Marquez Brownlee. <laughs> Would you like to pay us a little bit more money to have a not garbage experience on YouTube? They're much more like, hey, we found additional ways for you to make money. Take like YouTube shorts now has an ad split that is more lucrative for you than TikTok because we need to keep you here and not have you go to TikTok, which only has a creator fund. Right. And TikTok immediately responded to that by saying we're going to roll out better monetization <laughs> than this creator fund because that is the competition that you need for users. You need to pay them more money. Yeah. You need to pay your creators more money. Elon has said that this $8 a month fee will somehow create a fund to pay creators. The math on it is bad. It's it's horrible. At $8 a month, you get all 400,000 people, which you won't get. But assume you get all 400,000 people. It's like, what, $35, $32 million a year? It's nothing. I think it's going to be dramatically more than the current 400,000 that opt into this because of the network effects of people realizing that they're getting gated in in the algorithm because of and because of like a simple thing like default tab placement matters a lot in these experiences and the verified notifications experience is literally going to be first when you oh. open notifications on Twitter. Why do you so think just, they're going to do that and not just leave the platform for one that doesn't charge them eight dollars? Where are they going to go? I mean, I've always like I mean, everyone's always writing and saying like when a platform goes through a moment like this, oh, people are going to go and right now it's Mastodon, whatever. These network effects are really hard to rebuild. Twitter's had over a decade of this. And I just don't see the the current creator class of Twitter, which is that, you know, I mean, we saw it with Tumblr, like Tumblr, I think is our best example. I know I bring it up a lot, but it is our best example here. They said, we're going to get rid of boobies. I mean, they really said, we're going to get rid of nudity. We don't want any nudity on the website. And that that included. Verizon says no boobs. And that included no female presenting nipples. That was a really big one that was in like their their announcement on it. And they lost over a third of their people, like like over a third of their audience just said, "Okay, I'm out. And some of them went to Twitter and some of them went to TikTok and a lot of them went to Discord and some of them went to Pillow Fort. 
But they did say, I don't want to be a part of this. And I think we're going to see that on Twitter, too. And maybe those people will go to Mastodon. Hysterical. Maybe yeah. they'll go to Tumblr. Not likely. But I think they are going to go and look at other avenues because it's like, well, why should I stay here and be charged for this experience that oftentimes I hate when I can go to TikTok for free, when I can go to Mastodon and have 12 people talk to me, yeah, but for free. And then TikTok will happily serve me good tweets of people just on a green screen in front of a good tweet. Yeah, like saying, out. look, I, this is good. I, I hear you, Kranz. I don't think there's anything that replaces Twitter for the people who yeah. are addicted to it. There's nothing that has the same network effects, the same potential reach that you can have a tweet that can get 15 million impressions in three days or um, 2 million because, you, you know, like it, you just you can't get that TikTok. Yeah, if you like videos, if you can if you make videos, but for text and for news, there's nothing that can replace Twitter uh, that currently exists. Yeah, I'm I'm with Heath here. And I think the. The reality of Twitter is that Twitter costing $8 will not be in like the 10 worst things about Twitter. And like, yeah. And we're all still here, right? Like it's, it's, there was a minute where it was like, you're going to be able to pay to make it better. And now it's, you're going to be able to pay to not make it worse. And I think that is a really odd way of thinking about the platform. But like, it I is that do think way. it's going it, to work. The pre-check line. Look, let's say I love to keep my extra. shoes on. I'm just, again, just the math here. So the math is so revealing. Let's say they get 10x the users they have for the current verified product. So 400,000, right. it's 4 million people decide to pay $8 a month for Twitter. They will make $384 million a year. Twitter makes a billion dollars a quarter. Like, Eli, he doesn't care about the economics. <laughs> no, but he, he, have you not been he has to, right? <laughs> like, he has to pay down a billion dollars um, a year. Yeah, but, but I don't think Blue is about making money. I think it's the identity problem. It's how do we somehow verify the identity of people. And the only way, again, I come back to that people have decided is to do a credit card. And I think there's a plenty of like fair criticism of what happens to people who are trying to anonymously speak out, get information out. Um, a lot of the ways that Twitter really took off, say in the Arab Spring, how does that happen in an environment like this where you need to have it a doesn't. proven real identity tied to a credit card? It doesn't, or it's regulated to that bottom half of the service, right? That's not getting the same level of reach. And it's up to the check marks to go down, find it, bring it up <laughs> into the check marked environment, which is just like feudalist and horrible. But I, I, I think I do think there's going to be, a, you know, at least that identity layer that is not about making money, but is just about making Twitter a place where you know who you're seeing. If you pay for and, it. And I don't think he really cares about it being, if you pay for it. And I don't think he cares about it being, I think he thinks advertising is going to remain the biggest part of the company's revenue, even though advertisers certainly. Well, let's let's <laughs> yeah. talk about that advertising. Yeah. Oh my god, are we ready for this? Let's talk about the thesis of "Welcome to Hell, Elon." <laughs> uh, How's so, that going for him? So there's a, a good piece in Rolling Stone that went up just be, before we started taping. Like the right wingers are already starting to turn on Elon because he had a meeting with CMOs. He like had an open letter to advertisers. Mm -hmm. Said it's not going to become a hellscape. He had a meeting with a bunch of civil society groups, promised them that he wouldn't change the rules before the midterms. A little listening tour. A little listening tour. And, you know, the, his new right-wing fans who are, quote-unquote, you know, for free speech people, <laughs> which is really just like, the N-word club is here, you know? Like, they're pissed at him already, you know? And, and there's just a variety of figures who are saying, we were promised free speech, and now you're talking to, you know, the Anti-Defamation League. And why would you do that? That has nothing to do with free speech. And I think he's caught in this place 
where Alex, I think you've talked to some advertisers. I have talked to some advertising folks. There's just a lot of skepticism that this will remain a good platform for advertising. And what I mean by that specifically is they don't want to be near bad content. Mm -hmm. They never have. They care a lot about quote unquote brand safety. This is why YouTube has adpocalypses over the years. Yeah. Right. YouTube gets a little out of control. The moderation gets a little haywire. The community goes a little haywire and the advertisers all walk away. And this is a cycle that plays out on YouTube kind of over and over again. This is a cycle that's playing out on Twitter kind of for the first time in this way mm -hmm. where the advertisers say it. Like the IPG, which is one of the biggest holding companies of ad agencies, is saying we recommend that you pause. GM has paused its spend. I think partially to tweak Tesla. Like maybe more than like partially. all those car Tesla. companies. There's a legitimate concern that he literally has dozens of Tesla employees inside Twitter right now. And why would you, why would I put my brand campaigns and my spending and all that stuff on a platform that you have access to and you run Tesla? I don't think there's going to be any auto dealers on Twitter for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that part's really funny. Like, Tesla has historically never done any marketing. He has no idea how advertising works. Right. Yeah. Twitter. Twitter is Tesla's marketing. <laughs> like, you like, that's yeah. the thing. Like, he bought his marketing org. <laughs> right. It's just funny. You know? like, like, that's what it he, is. He now has a customer. Like, the marketers are Twitter's customers. That's yeah. where your billion dollars a quarter comes from. Yeah. Is ad agencies and CMOs. And he is, I think, enlisted Jason Calacanis, who started Weblogs Inc. and Engadget. Like, love Jason. Very sincere guy. But he's the face of the advertising organization now for these marketers. That's a lot. Like yeah. he's a new person. They don't trust him and they don't. Doesn't have a title. I don't know if you've seen paycheck. the text to Elon. They think that he's going to do what Elon tells him to do. <laughs> maybe there's evidence for that and maybe there's not. Fall on a grande. Yeah. <laughs> Jason's the one who sent the get your blades out boys text to Elon. In Sharpen. regards to sharpen your blades. Yeah. Right? That's the, that it's just this cast of characters. And if you think that marketing is stupid and Tesla doesn't need to do it, and you go to the CMO of a GM or the CMO of a Ford, and you're like, give me some money <laughs> so you can compete on my platform against my own tweets, they're like, yeah, we don't trust you. And if you go to Procter & Gamble and they want to sell Tide or whatever they want to sell, and you're like, and also, we've decided to let 10% more racism back on the platform. <laughs> they're just like, no. Right. And so he's got this poll out that's like, should advertisers support free speech or political correctness? <laughs> and it's like, dude, it's their money. <laughs> they can pay for whatever they want. That's the free speech. <laughs> it's just utter, like that piece of it, it, it's like such a blind spot for him that he's got customers now. And unlike Twitter's users, those customers have a million places to go. Yeah. Like if, if you want to advertise on social platforms, your options are are limitless. And there are a bunch of companies out there who will very happily take the money that you're taking away from Twitter right now. So I yeah. think like all like, the network Facebook stuff would that's love getting... some incremental ad dollars. They would be Absolutely. very happy <laughs> to make a little bit more money than they've been yeah. making. Snapchat's still a thing. They they have ads. <laughs> Definitely what I've heard is that people, you know, the advertiser class thinks Twitter is fun. It's like it's like the most live environment. So like yeah. you do the thing, you make the launch. It's where everyone goes to see if any, they got any traction. But they're like, we don't need it. It's right. like the smallest part of a lot of these big agencies spend yeah. when it comes to social media. This is like at the very bottom of their thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, OK, we'll throw 100K to a quick campaign, yeah. do some promoted tweets. So I'm really, really curious to see how much this like I'm going to be focused on on blue and solving this identity problem is going to 
at the cost of like I'm going to make all of these advertisers feel comfortable so I can get their billions of dollars so I can make my billion dollar yeah. market. I just think the, the idea that Elon has already pissed off some of his most vocal hard right ultra conservative <laughs> influencer supporters because he has to promise the advertisers and like civil groups yeah. that he can't change the rules too much is fast like he's got to pull that band-aid right after the midterms and be like here are the new rules and i'm really yeah. curious also how much how much of twitter's ad money was coming from car companies because like car companies are a big advertising market right like they spend a lot of money yeah my understanding is the the top spenders are the streamers or the HBOs, the Disney's, the companies that are doing big brand campaigns around stuff like that. And we saw this week that they're also thinking like they're very conscious of like um, not Iger, Bob Chappick, the new CEO of yeah, Disney, has been making rounds with all of the the conservative like senators and congressmen, assuming that the midterms is going to go their way so that he doesn't get hurt in whatever comes next so that Disney doesn't once again become at the focal point of like what's happening in the world. You guys suck. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens with that. Plus with Twitter, like this the whole brand safety thing is you're now having two very different concepts of what brand safety I is. I do look forward to a conception of freedom of speech in America where the government forces Disney to buy ads on Twitter next to racist content. Yeah. Like, you can just, there's a bill coming. Like, like Ted Cruz is like, I got to work this out. Like, I'm happening. going in the lab. Yeah. Here's my new freedom of speech bill. Disney you is required to this. buy ads on Twitter. And it's going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> Supreme Court's going to do it, and then we're going to just have the same conversation in four years. By the way, everyone should read Addie's piece about free speech in 230. That's our, like, big midterm story. Yeah, it's great. Um, I would be curious to hear you guys react to this. So something Elon talked about internally on his his first week at Twitter is Starlink and the potential of using Starlink to deliver Twitter to countries where I believe the readout of the meeting was something like they discussed how they would literally need to shoot down satellites. And that's the only way that um, did he know, not talk Twitter. to Zuck, who well, had this exact same plan like six years ago? No, Zuck had a plane. Google had balloons. Yeah. And I just I'm curious about that and what you guys think about that, because obviously Musk is heavily compromised in China. <laughs> you know, Twitter employees are already wondering, is he going to build a localized Chinese Twitter that has, you know, he says he's going to have free speech, but also abide by local laws. What does that look like in a place like China? It looks like uh, Doyen, the sister app to TikTok. It, it looks very different. But also like Starlink, what if he just like starts trying to like beam Twitter to countries um, that do not have anything near the U.S. Constitution via Starlink? I mean, he can and he can't, right? I mean, right now he won't let Starlink do that. Like when you install a Starlink receiver in a country that's not supported, it just GPS is out. Like, and that's why they had to enable it in Ukraine and all these other places. So he's got to change that decision. I think that decision is hard to change because he needs like SpaceX to be able to be somewhat neutral because it flies over every country. And then he's got to ship Teslas everywhere. You're right that he's compromised in China. What he's compromised in China by is that he needs to sell a lot of Teslas there and he makes Teslas there. So if he's beaming Twitter to Chinese consumers using Starlink, they're just going to shut down his Tesla factory the way they... They're just going to take those Teslas and now there'll be a lot of cool cop cars <laughs> in China with the Tesla logo. Yeah. But at the same time, I absolutely believe he will try this. Like with with a hundred percent certainty, this will be a thing that happens. Because <laughs> because what we what we've been watching since this started in April is Elon Musk like speed running the history of social media. And <laughs> and one of the steps along the way is trying to bring your app to other people 
who can't otherwise get it through weird means of the internet. Like it's just a thing you're required to do. Google tried it. Facebook tried it and didn't work, but it's, it's like, it's one of the steps you have to fail on before you get to like building a payments network and he'll eventually land on like vertical video and turning Twitter into a music app like everybody else does. But like, this is the path. <laughs> it's going to be delivering groceries. In, in <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's amazing because like Mark Zuckerberg, it took him almost three years to meet with like the ADL and like all of these like activist groups and human rights groups. And like Musk did it like two days ago, right? He's like a week into the company and he's already like doing the Zuck, like I'm going to clean this up tour. Uh, Zuck, by the way, I wish he would have actually answered my question when I asked him for advice for Musk. Um, Cause he would have probably said <laughs> like, don't do this. Um, <laughs> trust me. Uh, welcome yeah. to hell. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I, I think the next shoe to drop is who he actually installs permanently in some of these key roles um, because all these people we've been talking about, David Sachs, Jason Calacanis, they're, they're temporary. They're not going to be working there full time. So who are the people that he either elevates internally, brings in from other companies, et cetera? I think that's the next. Is there any sense of who the like leading candidate for that would be so far? Like who's the, who's the betting favorite? Well, um, Kayvon, the former head of product who Parag fired in May, um, has been in the building um, for the last week. So there's rumors he may come back. The optics are really... He tweeted that he's not actively involved. He replied to someone and said, but who knows? Well, the optics are rough because if you used to work at Twitter under the former regime and you come in now as Elon has kind of brutally fired the current regime, uh, how does that work with people who have feel certain ways about that, right? Like, it's just, it's a tough thing to be like a former person and come in. That said, there are like 16 former heads of product at Twitter, so <laughs> I'm sure one of them is up for the job. The problem is, is you've got to find someone who like, A, wants to work at a private company that's like Musk's fourth company, doesn't want to work in big tech or wants to leave, and also wants to deal with cleaning up and fixing Twitter. Uh, it's just, and working for Musk, like there's a, that's a short list, I think, right I now. I can't imagine he pays like really well for this role either. I, I feel like he's the kind of guy who's like, you know what, you're working for Musk. Well, so at Tesla, he pays really well because he pays in Tesla stock. Uh, and he doesn't have that anymore. I don't want that Twitter stock. They actually switched to cash grants recently, too, for a lot of people because of the economy. They, he started paying out cash awards, uh, cashed out. So I do think like, hey, if he's like, hey, I mean, he's told investors, I know this, that he wants to take Twitter public again in like three to five years. So if that's the pitch, come in, fix this, take it back out with me. You'll have whatever half a percent of the company when it goes out. We're going to make it a $100 billion company. I'm Elon Musk. Let's go. There may be some people who would bite at that. I think he has a lot of supporters, obviously. So um, I just, I'm not sure who it's going to be right now. Like I said, he has almost 90 direct reports right now. That's amazing. I mean, honestly, there, there's parts of this like where you just have to, you just have to give it to him. Doesn't like, he have 20 direct reports at Tesla? Yeah. I mean, something like that. What uh, does his phone look like right now? I can't imagine. Does it just set on fire? Like, does he keep it like in ice at all times so he can use it? Like, it's just a Twitter icon just on the home screen. I mean, by look, I, I talked to a lot of CEOs and like, what's your structure? What's your driving decision? I definitely know a CEO is like, how does he get it all done? I think he literally just like barely sleeps. I think he three yeah. sleeps like three to four hours a night. Like he was tweeting at like 5 a.m. the other day and like 
like how in bananas this all is, is like Twitter employees are glued to like the Elon jet Twitter account to like that tracks where his jet takes off and lands to like, see, is he coming to the, our office next? Like it's Amazing. just, it's just an insane. I mean, who knows? He, like raw Ligma may come in and be running. Wow. Yeah. That's enough. Um, and a, and a... <laughs> <laughs> see ya. It was good to see you, Alex. Uh, you... All right. Sorry guys. I gotta go. I gotta go check in with my husband and wife. See you guys. I'll see you brother. All right. That's, that's how you know it's over we gotta take a break we'll be right back to talk about the smart home we'll be right back busy weekends are a breeze with american express platinum card 8 a.m wait to board plane in the centurion lounge (sighs) much better 2 p.m grab seats for the game 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Support for the podcast comes from Hims. Look, we all need help, but for some of us guys, it can be a real challenge to be so vulnerable. There are just some things we'd rather keep to ourselves. Hims knows how you feel, which is why they're looking to provide you the help you need discreetly. Introducing Hims, a men's healthcare product looking to provide simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for men. The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your overall health in private. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms, no pharmacy visits. So while it can be tough to deal with this part of your life, it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash verge. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash verge for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash verge. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash verge for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. All right, we're back. We're back. It's, that, that's enough. We're just going to put that aside. We're going to talk about what really matters. There you go. I'm tired. <laughs> there you go. We're going to talk about gadgets and standards and uh, uh, parties in Amsterdam where just doors are locking and unlocking <laughs> left and right. It's matter launch day. This is a big deal. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. Can I just pause real fast? Mm-hmm. Alex, I just want to acknowledge the matter pun that you just made that I think Neil, I completely missed. No, I didn't miss and it. I just want you to know it was, it. it was very good. <laughs> Thank you. It was very good. I liked it very much. And I just want you to know that I see you. And Aww, I, appreciate I, you. I, like, I feel like I need to have a limit on how many times I can do that pun in this in this next 45 minutes. It's, it's one and you you did it. <laughs> okay. And congratulations. All right. You used you it successfully. You have to call me out if I do it again. I'm going to try really, okay. really hard not to. My strategy with puns <laughs> is that you just ignore the bullies that go away. And puns are verbal bullies. <laughs> That's what I got for you. No, Matter launched Day. It did. What's going on? Okay, so so Matter launched. Over 190 smart home devices are now certified by Matter. But I think the big thing was that we also heard a lot about what's coming next for Matter. And, and we're starting to see a lot of these other products say, hey, yeah, now we're going to be on Matter. Nanoleaf was one of the big ones that just announced that they're going to finally put out a bunch of Matter products. They'd not done it before this. They'd had some thread light bulbs. I have one. It's lovely. But it doesn't have Matter. And so now it's going to have, if you go and buy the new ones, they will have thread and Matter in them. Another one was Eve's. Eve is like a big company, really works closely with Apple HomeKit. 
and it's finally getting matter. Yeah. That's really exciting. I was noticing a lot of these products were ones that were like kind of exclusively HomeKit before this. Yeah. And and now they're going to be everywhere. And that's exciting because HomeKit smart gadgets, I feel, are better. Yes, I agree. So, I mean, the interesting underlying piece of matter is that it is basically HomeKit. Yeah. So Apple, the, you know, there's a real experience with all this where you just, it's like you just wish everyone would cut to the end. Yeah. Like two years before the end. And so, yeah. you know. Amazon had its own ecosystem and Google had its own ecosystem and Apple had its own ecosystem. And you're like, why don't you all just make a thing that works together? And they're like, no, because we would like to fully dominate your life in every way possible. Yeah, we want to destroy <laughs> your credit card. And then like five years later, here they are. They're very proud of their new standard that they all made together because they realized this was stupid. Yeah. So I don't want to take them. I'm very happy they did it. Matters great. It took, it yeah, took a long time. It took a long time. It shouldn't have taken this long. It kept getting delayed. It was supposed to come out, what, in like 2021, I think? Yeah. Like, it, it kept getting delayed. It, it was kind of obnoxious that it took this long, especially because a lot of this stuff could already work together. You could go and get Homebridge. You could go and get these other software products and just make this shit work all together and be friends. And the companies were like, no, 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 wait. Wait, we're yeah. going to get Thread, and then we're going to have our new standard. And it took a long time. But the reason it's HomeKit devices first is because, to Apple's credit, a lot of what matter is, is HomeKit. Yeah. Like, Apple basically gave away the store on the HomeKit standard and said, here, you use, everyone use HomeKit. It's secure. It's good. It's what we will approve. Apple, to make a smart home device, you want to be on the iPhone. You want to be in the control Mm -hmm. panel on the iPhone. So everyone, Apple saying, we're going to let it be HomeKit because that's what we will approve. Big step for Apple. Huge step for I Apple. Imagine they like they don't play nice. Yeah, you know, like whoever at Apple got back to their house, they closed the door. And they're like, I hope I did the right thing. <laughs> you know, like that is that kind of move for them. So, I, you're, you're, yeah, Eve is like a big home kit company. People really like their stuff. Nanoleaf. Nanoleaf. They were they do the cool like light panels that yeah. you always see in every single battle station photo on Reddit. Yeah, every guy's like, yes. yeah, I got my new my new. Oh, computer all the streamers setup. have Nanoleafs. That's yeah. that's great. But, like, Nanoleaf lights are great because they, they have been on thread for a while. Mm-hmm. So if you had, like, a HomePod mini and a Nanoleaf light. It just works. It just works, and it's, like, instantaneous in a way that the best Wi-Fi yeah. setups are not well, instantaneous. I think one of the big ones here for me was Philips Hue Bridge is going to have a software update to support Matter. That's really, really nice because Philips Hue Bridge, I think, is probably one of the ones that the majority of people, if you do do smart home, you dip your toe in, mm-hmm. that's like one of the first things you do. You go and you buy the cool lights. You spend $40 per light bulb, and you feel really proud about it until somebody asks you how much you spent per light bulb, and yeah. you do the math in your head. That one is kind of funny to me because, like, in theory, what matter does is obviate the need for yes. things like the Hue Bridge. Yeah. Like, the whole reason for matter is so that we don't have to plug in a million Hue Bridges to our homes. And to me, that's like a perfect example, right? Like, in, in the best possible world, Philips would come out and say, all of our lights now support matter. Control them however you want. Happy days are here again. But instead, this is like, this is the launch of matter, but it's actually like one step in the right direction instead of like a solved problem. Right. Well, because they don't have a lot of those those light bulbs. They don't have the the like they don't have the hardware in them to support this. They they have to. Right. Go which because it. the bridge is the bridge yeah, does all of the actual the bridge work. does all the work. So I, I'm right. really excited to never use the Philips Hue light app ever again. Just a terrifically terrible app. That app is trash. And I'm really <laughs> so excited. Bad. And every couple of years they're like, we redid it. <laughs> and it's the same, but a slightly this different. This is color why icon. I end up. This is why I have a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, <laughs> just 
Yeah, home fridge makes everything better. It's so this this I'm excited for matter just to get. I mean, I love this. It's like a Tamagotchi that runs my thermostat. Yeah. Like, I have to feed and care for it. And I'm like, if I don't, like, check it every day, it'll die. <laughs> it's my little Linux pet. You give it a little and, pet. And I know if it's working or not because we can, cha- we can set the thermostat on our phones <laughs> without using the Nest app. It's the whole game. Yeah. I'm excited to – I mean, I'm, like, I'm sad. It's, like, bittersweet. Like, I might I'm gonna send it off to college. Aww. And now we're going to have Matter instead. But it's – it's that thing where because I have a Nest thermostat, I need to have middleware in my house, extremely brittle, <laughs> self-installed middleware in my house <laughs> to just make it convenient. And that's what the Hue lights have been for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, there's like more bits and bobs here that need to come out. Like, I'm just hesitant to say on this podcast of all podcasts, the words thread border router. And this is like, <laughs> this is where it belongs. That's where that vocabulary belongs. Yeah. Yes. And like, what needs to happen is every router, every Wi-Fi router needs to have a thread radio in it so that they're all thread border routers. Is this when we should litigate the difference between matter over Wi-Fi and matter over thread and how they're actually different things and, and matter is actually an umbrella term that describes several different things? Yes. yes. I think this, this, this is, is the... This I said is I was moment. hesitant and it's like... Uh, I, I don't want to. David just Kool-Aid man into the room to be I'm like, matter is an umbrella term. You did it. I would like to leave. I, I hate this. I'm sorry. Yeah, matter is the control standard. It's the how everything talks to each other standard. Mm-hmm. But it uses a bunch of different... It, it, they can operate, and the big move is that it uses IP instead of some other. I mean, this stuff is so wonky. They've been talking about it for years. Yeah, and it's like, so you guys, after five years of argument, you decided to use IP packets <laughs> instead of some other weirdo riff. And they're yeah, like, yes, yeah. was just shocking. Yeah. Just shocking. We are going to see some other new technology coming to matter. They're going to start supporting garage door controllers, which could be fun. Uh, electronic gates. That one's That's dumb. all just doors. You yeah, just it's described just like, two different kinds of they're doors. They're just doing doors. <laughs> they're doing doors. doors. <laughs> Big doors and open. They're, they're, they're going to do doors. You're going to soon be able to open and close your door without having to have HomeBridge installed, which is really exciting. That's my, uh, my garage door opener is HomeKit already. But I think the one that's kind of like interesting is the ambient Small motion. Small <laughs> the tiniest I'm just doors. looking around now and I'm like, what if I just never had to open a door again? What if all my doors were just magically open just when I needed them to? And they open. It's great. <sighs> I could carry two beverages at the same time. The matter door committee is like, all right, next we're doing big doors. And yeah. after that, I don't want to hear it, Tom. We're not doing medium doors. We're going straight to small doors. <laughs> tiny, the tiny, the, like the little fairy doors. Medium doors. <laughs> suck it. All right, well, <laughs> but, ambient something. But I think I think the big one is going to be the the ambient motion and presence sensing because okay. that's a weird yeah. technology that, like matter itself, is a whole bunch of different standards spread all around. Right? Like, yeah. Like Linksys has we're going to bounce the Wi-Fi off of you to know exactly where you are in your house at all times, which is both awesome and terrifying. Yeah. And then you also have like the weird ultrasound sensing and the motion detecting and cameras and stuff. So all of that is going to soon come into matter. Soon. I say soon. It is still matter. It still could be like four years from now when we finally yeah. get this. But, but, so the, but the dream here is that you can buy all these different kinds of devices. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're a Google Home person or a HomeKit person. It doesn't matter person. at all. Oh, my God, Alex. <laughs> I'm trying so hard here. I gave you one, Alex. This I is said why, one. This is why it was delayed. <laughs> like, they just kept getting sidetracked by their own wordplay. They're like, these puns are so good. <laughs> They're like, we got to get back to work. 
Someone in the background is like, none of this matters. Do you think they have like a big sign that's like absolutely no puns beyond this point? Just no. Like instant termination. It's work time. <laughs> Start writing that spec. Uh, the problem with that is all the – like you can make it so you can buy motion sensors from any company and door locks from any company and like cobble together your own security yeah. system. But what people want to buy is like complete integrated products. So like is Ring going to fully participate or are they going to hold back some features for their proprietary riff? Right? Like, but it, I mean probably, yeah. But isn't the goal of matter to make that a false dichotomy that like – what we have now is an integrated ecosystem no matter what you buy. That, like, in theory, what should happen now is I can control, I have all of my controllers work, and all I have to do is attach something to my network once, and it talks to all of my devices through all of my devices. And that's, so, like, the thing Ring has done, which is, like, build itself a beautiful little walled garden, in theory, eventually becomes, like, redundant and unnecessary. And to me, what's super exciting about that is you get to a future where the bar for building this stuff is super, super, super low. Because right now, if you want to build like an actually competitive smart home thing, even if it's just like a dumb little like water sensor, yeah. it's so much work and you have to build so much new software every single time. And a lot of them choose Alexa because Alexa has made that development easier than most. But then you only get one sliver of the market. And then if you want to do HomeKit, that's a whole separate thing. So a lot of companies are just giving up because like it's not worth, it's not worth the development work to get into this ecosystem. But if you can say like, Build it once and it will work for everywhere. It's like it's like building a, a web app and it, you can just like people can have it. That becomes kind of amazing. And I don't know, like matter is not going to be there in the first iteration, but like that's got to be where this is headed and is supposed to be where this is headed. I think Neil, I was saying that like like a web app, what if the web app gives you way different features than the app that you install on your phone? Yeah, like Ring wants you to open their app so they can sell you more Ring cameras. Like – I have Ring. It says, like, you have an order. You open it, and then you, like, go to the home screen. It's like, have you thought about buying more cameras? Right? Like, they want, they do want you in their apps in some way. Yeah, but now I don't have to open Ring's app. This is the beauty of Matter. <laughs> the beauty of Matter <laughs> is I don't saying. ever have to use the Philips app or the Ring app ever again as long as I But I that desire is not going to go away. Right? Like, the business model no. for these companies cannot be you sell a water sensor once and you walk away. I think, like, the example is, so the Philips Hue app terrible garbage hate it the worst thing in the world but what it does really cool that i can't do on the apple home app is make all my lights mimic candlelight yeah like i want to sit in and read a book and pretend like i have a roaring fire in my home i can i love when all my lights flicker all the time it's great That's, it's it total i play a little yeah. jazz have a little cocktail it's really <laughs> it's a nice moment alice is hammered be like make them flicker <laughs> <laughs> Flicker faster. It's great. Um, but, the, but you can't do that with yeah. the home app. Like, and, and I don't see them changing that anytime soon. And so if I want to do that, I have to go and right. go so there and get through all those ads for other hue lights that I don't need. Yeah, I think that this is what watching this play out is going to be what features do these companies hold back for their weirdo riffs yeah. yes. and what features are the commodity features. And I we, we have no idea. But you can see it play out across every other standard. Like AirPods are technically Bluetooth. Technically. But yeah. But yeah. Apple is special Bluetooth. It's better than the Bluetooth everybody else gets. So not to be too negative, it's rare that we see a new standard launch. Well, I was going to go – there's an there's an optimistic side to this, yeah. and I think David was touching on that earlier, in that you're still – if you just want to go and buy a cheap sensor and plug it into your house and you don't need fancy features, 
now you can just go do that. Yeah. You want to go buy a cheap light and you don't care if it does candlelight? Great. You can just go do that. So those those premium ones are still going to be there to say, hey, give me extra money and use my annoying app and you get cooler new features. But for the vast majority of people, they can just opt out of that and just be like, I just want lights that turn on when I get home. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I don't want to think of my house as an ecosystem of hardware and software. Like, my house is just my house. <laughs> like when I need a light, I would like to buy a light. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, and, and we've ended up in this place where it's like every time, like the, the, I always joke with my wife that like anytime she changes anything, it, it inevitably spirals into changing everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we get a new rug and then it's like, oh, well, now the bedspread doesn't work. And then we paint the walls and now I'm tearing down the bathroom yeah. and it's all because we got a new <laughs> fucking rug. And, that's what the smart home is like now. It's like you find one thing that is cool and you suddenly have to rip every wire out of your walls and replace it just so it all works with your old stuff. And matter, it, in theory, obviates that for regular people maybe. like me who do not want to deal with so it. So I've been thinking about this a lot in the context of maybe we'll move. Like maybe we're going to have a different house. And I'm like, the only way to ethically sell my home is to just run away. <laughs> to not even tell people that there is a smart home stuff in it. Because if you start, you have to be like, all right, here's the first thing you need to do. There's 500 things in this house that think the <laughs> Wi-Fi is named whatever the Wi-Fi is named. So yes. you've got to just, you're going to need a 40-foot ladder, and there's a floodlight <laughs> on the roof, and you've got to go press a tiny button on the side of it while holding your phone. <laughs> It's like, no, actually what I should do is just bail and be like, if you're interested in that floodlight, just like every other home in America, you're going to discover what happened to the floodlight on your own. You're going to have a fun adventure. I can't be putting on this. Like, you can't put this amount of responsibility on someone else. There's a tiny Tamagotchi in the utility room (laughs) that makes the thermostat work. If you don't feed it, the house will burn down. (laughs) You can't give this responsibility to someone. All you can do is, like, pack your bags and just walk off into the night and be like, Lose my number. (laughs) Exactly. Realtor calls, just hang up. So maybe matter makes this better because all the stuff will just, like, still work together. Yeah. And it won't be like, here's a collection of apps that runs the garage door. <laughs> I hope you're okay with this. Well, you're going to have to wait because that's not coming yet. Yeah. It won't be supported so I by can't Matter. Until Matter supports garage <laughs> yeah. doors. Yeah. All right. Ethically. It's going to be great. We're going to have to keep living in the woods. Last one, just on Matter, which is really cool. Level Lux are really cool. The company Level. They've had a secret thread radio in them the that's whole time. The, that's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. I, I love when somebody's like, secretly, we've been planning for this all along. Surprise. And you're yeah. just like, oh. What was the one Google smart home thing where secretly had a microphone all the time and it was that was the wrong thing to do? Do you remember this? It was like one of the Google security system things. And they were like, it's had a microphone the whole time. And everyone was like, no, that's the wrong choice for you to make. Nest Home Security. <laughs> yes, the Nest Home Security Hub had a microphone in it. And Google was like, surprise. And everyone was like, bad surprise. <laughs> Worst surprise. <laughs> Take it out. <laughs> Nobody wants that. But uh, we have a secret thread radio that makes our locks more compatible with more things. Great. Yeah. And, uh, and level, actually, those locks look like real locks. Yeah. Which would probably be nice because part of the problem with most smart locks is super hackable, actually. You have a cool little hacking tool. You can just, like, say, hello, I'm in your house now. So it's really nice. That, I got to like, go to my house. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'll, I'll see you guys later. Do the, have fun with the third segment. <laughs> All right. We'll have, have to race Alex. <laughs> we'll, to I know. Home. I'm going to be like, surprise, Neelai. <laughs> hello. I found the Tamagotchi. <laughs> Taking it out of the wall. 
Enjoy your thermostat. Can you get up? Can you go push that button on the roof that changes the Wi-Fi network for the floodlight? Uh, we'll have much more matter news. By the way, if I could be anywhere, it would be in Amsterdam with Jen and Thomas while they play with smart home gadgets. It just sounds like a dream situation. Wonderful Absolutely. time. Two of the coolest people on our team. Super jealous. And they are just turning lights on and off in Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> like at the fastest rate they're possible. They're living the life we all want to live. Uh, and they're both just the biggest smart home So we'll have lots from them on the site. Check it out. Okay. We'll take a break. Quick tour through some gadgets. I'll be a show. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard, where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code VOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.com and use code VOX. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Okay, we're back. Should we talk about the Apple TV and what's going on with that, or should we start talking about Amazon Music? Let's do Amazon first, because yeah. this was this was like the sneaky big story of the week to me, and I'm still one of the most popular stories on our site. Yeah, yeah. People really like to read about Amazon Music and really hate the new Amazon Music. Really, really hate it. Not all of them, but some of them. I mean, they basically turned Amazon Music into Pandora. Well, like a combo of Pandora and Spotify's free tier. Like much more Spotify's free tier than Pandora. So we had Steve Boom, who's the VP of Amazon Music on Decoder. They had a big announcement. Amazon, the bundle of Amazon Music that came free with Prime, which is not free at all. It's just a, it's just the language a we have all money. chosen to use together. <laughs> yes, this expensive thing came with a thing that is not free, <laughs> but it came with you the thing. You pay for this already. Yeah. Um, it's funny how they're like, this comes free with Prime. And it's like, no, but I, it's nothing about this is free. <laughs> so Amazon Music, the music service that is included in your Amazon Prime subscription, used to have only 2 million tracks. Yeah. But it basically worked like a, any other premium music service. Like you put songs, you can make a playlist, you could whatever, just the way that you thought Apple Music or Spotify Premium worked. They have now changed it so that it has 100 million tracks, which is effectively the major label catalogs, like all of the popular music in America. Yeah. And you can pick, you can ask for one song at a time. (laughs) You can like, be like, play this one Taylor Swift song to Alexa, it'll play that song. No, not even. So this is where it kind of falls apart. So 
the way it works basically is you're just in shuffle mode all the time. Like Pandora. If you go to Midnight's by Taylor Swift and you hit play, whatever song you click on, it will just shuffle songs from that album. It won't start with the one that you picked. Maybe it will by accident, but it won't. It'll just shuffle through the album. If you pick an artist, it'll shuffle through the artist. If you pick a playlist, it'll shuffle through the playlist. My favorite thing that has happened so far is like you, people release singles and they they look on these services like albums with one song. Mm-hmm. You go to that album. I thought this was going to be like a loophole. I was like, oh, it'll shuffle the yeah. album, but there's only one song, so I win. Uh, you click on it, and it just plays a completely different song. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's super jarring. And and this is the thing is like it does functionally work like Pandora, or in a lot of ways like Spotify's freeze here. You get a limited number of skips. You're mostly designed to be using it as sort of background music. It's very much like a put it on at the beginning of the party and don't touch it for six hours kind of music experience. Can you blacklist um, songs? Like if I want to listen to know, Cats actually. and be like, I don't want to hear Mr. Mistopheles. I just, I <laughs> wow. want everything else from Cats. First of all, Skimbleshanks the Rarely Cat is the only good song from Cats. But what we don't need to talk about to my show right Not now. Memories? <laughs> I need this to stop. <laughs> All right, we did puns. We've made wee jokes. Alex said Ligma twice. Other Alex. This is over. Okay, fair put, enough. Put my foot down. And, and the funny thing about this is this, like, as a music streaming strategy, perfectly valid, right? This is, like, a thing a lot of folks do. It's, I, it, it, it is just how some systems work. I think as far as I can understand, it is, it is basically – cheaper to run a service like this where you can't play the song you choose you just sort of get music as opposed to giving people like true on demand click the song and play the song music makes perfect sense the problem is it's a total 180 in how it works from what amazon music used to be which like i said is smaller library but basically total access uh and i should say the new amazon music has a set of playlists that it calls all access playlists and those you can interact with however you want and those are like you know big hits and some stuff like that so it's it's both confusing and a total change from what people (laughs) who are using this are used to so my my guess would be if you've never used apple music before and you open it up and you're like oh tight all the music is here i'm gonna like throw on a drive playlist while while I'm on my commute this morning, like that's a great experience. But for people who have like curated their own playlists in Apple Music that now don't work the way they expected or can't go listen to the music they had found there or what some people are saying, they've bought music that Amazon has now put behind the paywall uh, and won't give them that kind of on-demand access to. Like I can see why you'd be pissed. They basically just like upended the whole experience for you for something that I think a lot of people weren't really asking for. Well, two things. One, you said Apple Music there twice when you meant Amazon Music, but I think the listeners will forgive Didn't us. Mean Amazon Music. Um, I'm sorry. That's fine. We'll get over it. Or will we? It's the one that doesn't have Zane Lowe. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two, in talking to Steve Boom, you know, the Amazon Music has been really targeted at the bottom 80% of mm-hmm. music consumers. Yeah. Which is fascinating, right? Like, they're like, this is the thing when you ask Alexa for a song, it just needs to play the song. And most people don't spend a lot of money on music, so we're going to go here. We're going to find the 80% of people who don't spend a lot of money in music and make the product for them. And it's going to be bundled with Prime, so they just use it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that he said to you that there's like a giant subset of people who will never spend $10 a month on music. Because my impression was always that like all these companies assumed eventually everyone would do it, that it is like such a demonstrably good deal for people who listen to music that eventually it would get everybody. But he's like, no, there is clearly a maximum of people who will do that and we're after everybody else. I just thought that was really interesting. Oh, I'm one of those 80%. I have Apple Music, and that's just because I get it through one of my, like, I think my phone plan. Otherwise, I'd be like, I'm not going to pay for music. I'll just pirate it. I mean, (laughs) 
I will just listen on YouTube. Fire up the Plex server. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Yeah, I mean, that. I think if you make that assumption, you're like, these people don't care very much. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we can just, like, change the terms of the deal and, like, people – I think there's an assumption that people are just like wandering at me, like play some music, Alexa. And Alexa's like, here's some stuff. And that's the end of it. And the reality is that some people were actually very particular about their use of this service inside of 2 million tracks. And now that has changed and they're mad. Do they get that back if they pay more? They do, right? Because there's the, the premium service. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're equally mad about being upsold. Yeah. So it's, we'll it's see. Twitter blue all over again. <laughs> Everything is Twitter blue. It all goes back to Twitter blue. You get blue. a blue check mark if you pay for <laughs> non-shuffle playing Amazon music. Chris Welch reviewed the Apple TV 4K. It's great. It's an Apple TV. They took out the fan. It's a little lighter. The chip is really fast. Unne- unnecessarily fast. The expensive one has thread. I just am bringing it up because there is a new TV feature that is going to make me upgrade my TVs. Between Matter and QMS VRR on TVs. It's like, I got to upgrade it. I got to get new locks. <laughs> I got to get new lights. I got to... You got to get the TV that supports VRR. Yeah. So it's called... It's not out yet. So mm-hmm. the new Apple TV supports something called QMS VRR. I don't know what the QMS stands for, and I refuse to Google it. No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm Googling it. Quick media switching. So there's a... The new Apple TV has something called QMS VRR, which is quick media switching variable refresh rate. So variable refresh rate, as you know, can... The t- just like promotion on your phone, the TVs can swing from 24 hertz to 120. It's always going to give you what looks nicest to your eye. Yep, it's going to match the content dynamically. It's not going to blink out to black. And then QMS is quick, immediate switching. So I think you just send the the thing you're playing can send a flag and it can switch the VRR really fast. Right. So the Apple TV supports it. There are no TVs that support it yet, which is hilarious because there are tons of TVs that support VRR. This seems like it should be but a software update away, but the TV manufacturers continue to be TV manufacturers. Oh, they're going to make you they're buy, a make you buy a new TV. <laughs> I, I literally don't think you could have described a feature that sounds less interesting and worth upgrading my TV. I'm going to upgrade <laughs> like, my TV to this so fast. Okay, so you know how when I you're watching TV, I do not want the TV to blink out to black. I don't want it to happen. Well, you could wait. You could also go and if your if your TV already supports VRR, somebody will absolutely find a hack. Yeah. And hack QMS on there. And I'm saying that the community of Twitter followers that I have built up is like, crap, I've got to upgrade my TV. <laughs> <laughs> so you're my people. But this is the reason I'm going to upgrade my Apple TV. It's the reason I'm finally going to buy a new TV. And then matters. How the many reason. times a day would you say the refresh rate changes on your television, Eli? Let's talk this through. It's not the refresh rate. It's the, it's the match content. So you can't run the interface in like Dolby Vision at 120 and then go sure. watch Netflix um, 24 standard SDR. You can't run the interface at like Dolby Vision 120 and then open Netflix in SDR 24 hertz without like an HDMI refresh. And an HDMI refresh with be my, the bearer of bad news. We got to end the show. No, no. Uh, so I, I am uh, one of your people, Neilai, and I was just yeah, telling no. David earlier I want to uh, change my TV. There's a limitation <laughs> to QRR. It only works for changing refresh rates without a blank, the black screen. It does not work going from SDR to HDR or uh, different versions of Dolby or HDR That's 10 enough. plus. I can't. I can't abide. By I know. This. <laughs> Find me the QMS VRR office. We're going there right now. <laughs> Very frustrating. Is the HDMI building in the shape of a giant H? Find it on Google Maps. Let's go there. Everyone look for the H on Google Maps. Uh, well, that sucks. Now I'm not buying any TV. You had your chance, LG. He's going to be an LG. I feel vindicated somehow. I feel like I won this fight. 
I still want it. <laughs> I do too. I just want to buy a new TV. I right? know. Mine's five years old. I'm ready. It's time. Yeah, mine's six. I will say the reading garbage gotta, TV. Yeah, gotta get a new TV. Reading Chris's review, and he he keeps talking about how much unnecessary power there is inside of this box. All I can think after spending months sitting here, like begging my Roku TV to load the app that I'm trying to load, is like I will take unlimited power <laughs> from my set top box. Like I, I would like six yeah. to seven times more power than I need from my set top box because it's just it is the worst like if my worst problem was that the screen flickered every once in a while that'd be great now yeah. it's like i open the hbo max app and four out of six times it's just like ah i'm gonna crash your television i bought a smart projector <laughs> last uh-huh. year and like over oh. the course of this summer it's like what if i didn't run android yeah like what yeah. if i just like is coughed and sneezed <laughs> <laughs> it was like here's part here's parts of this interface. The media this is tech how I feel. My TV is tired. My TV literally <laughs> acts like it's tired. It's just I, like, all right, give me a minute. Like, yeah I'll, yeah, I'll search for that for you. But like, hold on. Hey, Roku 4K sticks are twenty five bucks for Black Friday. I've yeah, but then I have to plug a Roku into my Roku TV. I can't, like on principle. <laughs> on principle, I cannot do that. But I will buy an Apple TV that is unnecessarily powerful and expensive yeah. and plug it into my Roku TV. Like, yeah, I will. Can do you that. I'm ready for bypass that? Because I know with Roku, it always like presents you the menu. Can you bypass? I have that to menu? open my Roku. Yeah, but that I can do wait. with like I can do that with like great spite and anger. Like every time yeah. I open my Roku menu, I can say yeah. no, no Roku to my Apple TV, and then I'll feel like I've accomplished something. <laughs> you know, there's a chart at Apple that's like we've got this many A15s out in the world on our TVs. We're about to become a gaming powerhouse, and then like Tim Cook is like, but I hate video games uh-huh. and that's where that conversation that conversation is going to hit that brick wall every time that's why the, the apple tv is unnecessarily powerful because they think it's a game console yes and if they can just get enough just, A15s no, under nobody enough tell TVs. them nobody tell them i want my unnecessarily powerful yeah. set top box yeah so you I, can I, I don't want roku. yeah i don't want roku so like don't, just nobody tell tim cook about this we're all buying it for the games tim it's the only reason <laughs> it's all gonna happen speaking last little bit of streaming news uh, Netflix ads plan came out today. It's seven dollars a month. You it's, can sign up for it. Doesn't work on the Apple TV at launch. Doesn't work on the Apple TV at launch. A surprising number, a surprising amount of content doesn't work, and you get a big padlock sign. <laughs> and then when you click, it's like, "Hey, we noticed you clicked on this movie you wanted to watch. Would you like to give us money?" So that's why it doesn't work on Apple TV because. No. I mean, no, that's Netflix what I assume. Out, Netflix gave a statement to 9to5Mac, and they said it's coming. Okay, it's coming. Once they figure out how to get around the 30%. Well, or they're just going to remove the the tout to actually pay you money. Yeah. We'll see. But it, it doesn't work at launch. I, you know, I'm assuming this They're going to email you. They're going to email It'll you. It'll be fine. And they're going to get a big fight. But it's out now. Uh, you can read Jay wrote about it. Yeah, Jay, Jay wrote like. about it. He he tried it out for a few hours, and it seems to be just digital advertising. It's like Hulu and stuff, where there's no rhyme or reason to when the advertisements will pop up. So when there are those natural breaks, instead of it being there, it's going to be like mid-sentence. <laughs> I love, would you like to buy some Tide Pods? Oh it's going to be great. Very so exciting. there's still a lot to figure out there. They should probably look to broadcast t- television because they figured out this whole advertising thing decades ago. But... He seems to like it overall. He's like, yeah, if you if you don't want to be paying as much. Oh, yeah. So on the Netflix app on iOS devices, like phones, it just basically says you need an ad-free plan. It doesn't let you buy it. Yeah. Well, they'll do that on the TV. I'm sure they just have to, like, yeah. get through some weird Apple. It and doesn't work on older Chromecast either. Right. And it's not going to work on probably a lot of your older Rokus, too, David. I'm sorry. Does it work on yours? You have to test I'll it out. It. 
I don't know. Give me like 45 minutes for the Netflix app to load and I'll tell you. Um, also, the video quality is uh, locked at 720p and there's no offline downloads. I don't know. I think, are, are you, this strikes me as a fairly clear way for Netflix to get people in and then try to get them to upgrade, which I guess I underestimated the extent to which it was going to be that. Like, this is not like just as good, but with ads, this is worse Netflix for You can't less even money. watch Arrested Development. None of Arrested Development. That's what I'm Development. saying. Like, it's, it's, it's very clear that this Netflix is looking at this like a gateway drug to a fully paid Netflix plan 100%. and not like a real swing at advertising, right? Yeah. No, I, I well, I don't know. I was going to be really strident about that, but I've, I've in five seconds toned my opinion down. <laughs> um, well, the, so the comparison I was going to make is if you're going to do that, then you might as well do Spotify free and actually just make it free and let the ads pay for the free. Shuffle channel. Netflix. Shuffle <laughs> Netflix. Like, why not? You know, like, what are you watching today? You'll um, find out. But Spotify free is really important to Spotify. Yeah. It is the most important part of their product. It is the thing they give away and everybody has it. And it is designed to make you start to pay for Spotify. And it's the top of the funnel. So they care a lot about Spotify free. It's the thing they make. Netflix got dragged kicking and streaming to Netflix with ads, right? Like they kind of don't want to make it. Um, They've had to. They've reduced the price. It's still $7. So you still have to pay for it. And then you get these ads. And the ads are where the money is supposed to come from because Netflix has this theoretically huge audience. So I think they're just kind of stuck in the middle. Like they haven't built the let's capture everyone and get them to pay us because it's still not free. You still got to get $7 a month out of people. And they haven't built the, this is worth $7 a month, and you have to watch ads. They've got a lot of contracts they have to get through, too. So so Jay's piece noted that some of the stuff that's not available now is going to be available later. And that's just because, like, they have to go back to these people and be like, hey, we signed a deal with you that we would just stream this movie. Now we want to put ads on it. Yeah. Can we do that without giving you more money? And I don't think they can. (laughs) (laughs) I just think they should have done a free with ads tier in addition to this one. Yeah. Like if you did free with ads and then you did $7 with like some ads and maybe 1080p and like, then like full Netflix free with this with this limited library. Yeah. And then $7 with the whole library and ads. And maybe that's the I plan. And so we're all going to be really delighted when that happens because it'll be an improvement from this. I wouldn't I mean, we all we all paid a crap ton of money for cable subscriptions that still had a lot of ads. So like I I don't know that money plus ads is all that shocking a uh, behavior yeah that's true but it would be interesting to see netflix be like okay you can get it for free but every hour it's going to be 30 minutes of ads <laughs> are, you, are you ready for this like here yeah. we go i feel compelled at this time to disclose we made a netflix show it's very good it's called the future of i'm hopelessly biased in favor of it i think you should watch it no matter what your plan uh also uh comcast is an investor in the box media <laughs> or parent company you know i don't care what peacock does at this time <laughs> But they exist and they run a competitive streaming service. Should we? I feel like that's a good segue to talk about Comcast. Just in general? Just in general. No, they they have their own rival to Roku, speaking of. And they said a while back they announced that they and Charter were going to be partnering together and doing their own hardware ecosystem. And they finally have a name for it. And it's called Zumo. Yeah. And it's the exact same name that they already were using for a software suite. So... That's kind of interesting. I, I don't know. I think it's interesting mainly because of Roku and and how this is really a play for that super cheap set-top box because a lot of people have Roku TVs and these aging TVs, and they are not going to go and pay $1,000 to have QMS VRR. And instead, they're just going to be like, I want a cheap set-top box to play me the things. And Charter and Comcast are like, we'll do it, and it will be called Zumo. <laughs> I'm just that name. 
when I moved into my current house, we we signed up for Comcast and they literally sent me a set-top box, which back then was called Flex. And I believe their Flex program is now what's turning into Zumo uh, for free. And I literally was like, I don't want it. I have set-top boxes. I'm good. And he was just like, ah, we'll send you one. Like, it, I think you're right that it's it's they want to be in this platform game so badly. They've been trying this for years. Like, nobody has tried more times with less success than Comcast to build yeah. a real like set-top box empire. It's really interesting because they do have this obsession with hardware and that that no no other kind of companies do. They all they always want to own all of that hardware in your house and make you pay a leasing fee for yeah, it. Yeah, remember when the X1 was going to be like the supercomputer of set-top boxes and then everybody was like the X1 costs like six times too much money Comcast. Yeah. Please leave me alone. I do not want your cable box. Like I think they're they're addicted, if anything, to that leasing revenue stream, and they're trying everything. They're trying their damnedest to keep a hold of it as they lose all yeah. these other elements of like cable is going away. Cable is you know everybody says ten years from now cable is going to be dead, and where is that going to leave them with internet? And then ideally these set top boxes that they will charge you an arm and a leg for each month. Yeah, I mean, and just like looking at the the home screen on my Roku, right? Like I, I I turn on my television and right next to all of my apps, there's just a big ass ad on the right side. And like, you know who would like to be the one selling that ad is every media company on planet Earth. <laughs> yep. So like, it makes a lot of sense to me that that's a really competitive space. And for Comcast, like as it gets harder and harder to sell people cable subscriptions, like owning the box where people look at their television is going to be a lucrative space, right? Like Roku yeah. has continued to prove that. And it's it's going to keep working for any company that can actually figure out how to pull this off. What's crazy to me is how few have actually been able to. Like, it's been a long time since there was an interesting new player in this space. And, like, I certainly don't think Zumo is going to change that. Yeah. But, like, I guess kudos to Comcast for, like, I, I mean, I think continuing to bang its head against this particular wait, wall. I think you guys have done an excellent job laying out the strategic case for yeah. Comcast to make this product. Fine. They called it Zumo with an X. <laughs> <laughs> like Z U M O. Like this is the important part. This, this, yeah, that's the whole name. They, wh- they, we live in a world where people do not really understand the difference between Roku and Hulu. Like, <laughs> it's my favorite question that I've ever gotten from like the family. Like, yeah. what is the difference between Roku? And they're like Zumo on our X class TVs running on Xfinity. And it's like playing you guys, the software because it also has software, and the software is called Zumo Play. So you got to open the Zumo Play app <laughs> no. on your Zumo. No, thank you. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't. Okay, know what wait, Neil. Can I can I propose something to you that I think is going to slightly blow your mind? Yeah. This name is a tremendous improvement over the streaming box that Comcast launched last year, which which was spelled uppercase X, lowercase I, uppercase O, lowercase N, lowercase E. No. Is it, is it the, This is a real thing that happened. How do you say that? Is it and and all of the headlines you will find about this thing are about how I literally don't know how to pronounce the name. It's very good. This was Comcast last try. So Zumo is we're moving in the right direction. So does Comcast just have a room and they've got oh, an X and oh, they've got a whole bunch of vowels and they're just like throw them at the wall. That's the yeah, name. Just like it's like the refrigerator magnets. They just like whip <laughs> them at the refrigerator. I'm like yeah, oh, there it is. They've got to have the X in there. So it's is this the Z one? But then they saw that with an X. I don't know, man. Oh, Z1 could be good. Uh, at the end of the day, Comcast is sad that they used to have two businesses. They sold cable television and internet access. Yeah. 
and one business is going away and it's not the internet access business. So they're, they're like, what can we do to get back in the TV business? Give us some monies. And they're like, here's what we're going to do. Army of consultants come up with a name. An army of consultants was like, we drank a lot of tequila. <laughs> we're going with Z1. Oh, Zumo. Let's go with Zumo. <laughs> it's bad. All right. There's other stuff going on in the site. We're just like way over. Uh, it's like six hours of Vergecast at this point. I mean, we love you all. Yeah. But honestly, I can't think about Elon Musk anymore. I just can't. I can't do it. The site is great. Lots of coverage on the site. We had like a really fun day on the site. Just today between Elon, the amount of short posts, Thomas and Jen at the Matter thing. We had the big decoder investigation and what's going on in the FCC, which was real fun. Versus is back. Oh, Versus is back. Yeah, V did her Versus. first Versus great. on smartwatches. It's great. Just kind of like an incredible week on the, the old Verge.com. So go check it out. You know, tweet at us. I'm at Reckless. I mean, while well, you can. <laughs> we got to add comments to quick posts as, like, as fast as we can. Um, but tweet us while you can. I'm at Reckless. Alex is Alex Trans. David is at Pierce on Twitter, the platform that we once loved. Well, actually, no one ever Pay loved. $8 a month and you can tweet mean things short and Eli as much as <laughs> And he's obligated to read them. One last shout out to Addy's big piece on the First Amendment this week, which I think is really important. Maybe one of the most important things we've ever published. Please go read that. Back on Wednesday, McKenna and Addy are going to talk about that piece. It's going to be a good one. Indeed. Uh, and then you can call us, 866-VERGE-11, 866-837-4311. David will listen to everything that you say. For $8 a month. <laughs> For eight. But, but I'll then, pay you $8 a month. I will say that I stole this from Elon. Anytime anyone criticizes me on Twitter now, I'm just like, $8. It's great. I encourage you to try it with your friends But I think I have to give you $8 a month. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then you get to yell at me on the Vergecast hotline. I think that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah, David will pay $8 if you call this number. Please call this number, <laughs> 866-VERGE-11. David will give you $8 if you call it. That's it. That's the Rochecast Rocker. And that's a wrap for Vergecast this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, subscribe in the podcast app of your choice or tell a friend. You can send us feedback at vergecast at theverge.com. This show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. This episode was edited and mixed by Amanda Rose Smith. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters, and our executive producer is Eleanor Donovan. The Vergecast is a production of The Verge and Vox Media Podcast Network. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.